Welcome to the Degenerates Clubhouse, a place for less than distinguished gentlemen to discuss nonsense and fuck all tomfoolery. With your hosts Aaron and Armando. Honestly, who's going to listen to this? What a couple of stupid fucking cunts. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to Degenerates Clubhouse, episode 29? 29. 29. Shit, almost 30. Dude, can you believe it's February? That was by far the smoothest intro we've ever had. I'm proud of us. We really, we, we set a high bar and then we just leap right over that like a charging racehorse. I guess racehorses don't have bars. That was a terrible metaphor, but it yeah, fits I did, I didn't, with I, the gist I of this open. I didn't know we were literally going to go from like where we were going to finish each other's sentence. I didn't know that we were going to do that on me. I, I know you said you're going to start and you wanted me to finish it, but I didn't realize it was like. Hey, I want to say the first three letter, first three words of the sentence, and you finish it. Yeah, I mean, I, I did literally say that seconds before we started recording. But hey, that's wonder uh, water under the bridge. No worries, we're we're, we're making magic happen here. Uh, we just didn't say what type of magic, so don't worry about it. We're not middle ditch and we're not middle ditch and short. Not yet. No, we're neither uh, that talented on a mic, entertaining, or successful. But I think we are slightly better looking than both of them. So you know what? At least we've got one thing going for us. Yeah, that, that doesn't say much, dude. They're not good looking guys. <laughs> hey, 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 look! Don't don't right, don't take right. that away from me. <laughs> like, like, I mean, they're they're hysterically funny looking, and it's worked for them well as a career. But don't take away the one thing uh, I have over Ben Schwartz. Maybe one day I'll get to voice a children's Wait, cartoon as well that gets canceled quickly. If there, if, what? if there was a middle ditch in Schwartz, who would you be and who would I be? So you're saying you're Schwartz and I'm middle ditch? Yeah, for sure. Huh. Okay. It, it, at least in the dynamic of our, our podcast, uh, because uh, Thomas Middleditch, he is a little bit more of the, the, the straight man in terms of okay. a comedy duo. Just, just to be clear, Mondo <laughs> and fucking you degenerates, that is not... A reflection on sexuality. The the straight man is the one who is delivering lines seriously. They're they're not quite as zany and wacky. And then uh, Ben Schwartz, you know, he, he's more of the the comic relief where he's coming in, he's being silly, he he's going over the top with his voices. Now in Middle Edition Schwartz in the actual Netflix special, since they switch characters, a lot of times those roles will will switch. But it is very clear. Who the the crazier, more I, out there one? I is. only watched it's one. I only watched one clip on YouTube. I still haven't watched the entire episode, mm-hmm. but I watched one clip and I was like, okay, yeah, it, I'm gonna have to put that on the back burner. I will watch it eventually, but it was funny. J- just watch the first one. It was it was very funny. And then also, um, as as I discovered after doing a 23andMe, I I do have uh, some. Askenazi, Askenazi Jewish heritage. I think that's how you say it. It's basically uh, there. There is a Jewish population in like Eastern Europe uh, who, I guess, biologically is different from you know the kind of Israeli uh, Sephardic Jews. But there, there, there is that in my my DNA makeup. So says Twenty Three and Me. And so Ben Schwartz. Are you more Jewish? Then Pelosi is Native American. So, okay, so so two things. One, you're trying to talk about Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> oh, that's, that's um, what I meant. That's what I meant. You're right. So so I'm I'm definitely like uh, Nancy <laughs> Pelosi is like like waspy like Catholic. So yes, I'm definitely definitely more more Jewish than Nancy Pelosi is Native American. You were trying to talk about Elizabeth Elizabeth Warren. Yes, I'm also more Jewish than she is All Native right. American. Cool, awesome. That's all. I, that's all I need to know. 
<laughs> I fucked that one up, huh? Anyway. So, see, that shows how much politics I follow. I know that. And that, that is why you're Thomas Middleditch. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> I was going to say on that note, but you know what? Fuck a smooth transition. Let's just roll with the theme of the show and jump right into Ask Reddit. Uh, do you have an Ask Reddit question? I do have some Ask Reddit questions for you, Senor Jaffe. And the, let's, I don't know. Let's see. Let's go with the second one because I think that I had two lined up, but I think the. Uh, the the one I initially want to start with has more comedic value, so we'll start with the more serious of the two, if there could, if there is such a thing. It could be funny though. Let's see which which direction you go with it. Ask Reddit says, "You figure out the secret to eternal life. What is it? Do you have an answer? Oh, you, you want you want me to start? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Uh, sure. So I was thinking about it. there's there's two ways to go about about that. There's more the sort of narrative. Uh, sort of theatrical way to look at it, and there's the practical way to look at it. With the, the former, the secret of life would have to be something that absolutely nobody wants to do. It's, it's that sort of that law of equivalent exchange, right? You don't get something for nothing. So to prolong your life, you would have to do something so terrible, so frustrating, so annoying that absolutely no one would want to do it ever. Right, because it, cause if it was something fun, if it was something enjoyable, then everyone would just live eternally. So the way I was thinking about it is it would it would have to be such a, a, a time suck. It would have to be so big a part of your life and so annoying that you wouldn't actually be able to really live your life, but it would still keep you living forever. Um, so for me personally, I was looking at it through the lens uh, of my worldview, and I was like, "Wow! So what? What would I have to do that might grant me eternal life, but it just wouldn't be worth it?" And the answer to me would be, if I watched Law and Order for eighteen hours a day, I would live forever. <laughs> that was a. You think your explanation was a lot longer than necessary for that punchline? <laughs> But it doesn't make sense. Like it wouldn't make sense without the explanation. Right. I, I would just be like, "Well, yeah, I, w- I would watch Law and Order for eighteen hours a day," and be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" But I, that was a show that I was forced a- as a, a kid to watch. Um, my parents would always watch it when we were eating dinner, and it, we didn't have the real like, "Let's sit down and sit around the table and like talk about our days." And oh, or you know, are you? How was your day? Was it rough? There was really none of that. Um, they would just watch Law and Order. And I, I hated that show because if you've ever seen it, it's the same show over and over and over and over again. It's the same exact beats. It's the same talk, you know, talking to some random construction worker who has way more knowledge than they should. It's the same line of questioning when they get to the, the law part of well, where were you? And then the person breaks down and goes on this like elaborate confession where it's like, if you would just shut the fuck up, they had nothing on you. It's the same show over and over again. And I, I could not stand it. I hated watching it and I had to watch it repeatedly as a kid. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> that, that would be the, the, the ultimate price for me to pay uh, to, to have extended life. And then, on the practical slant, it would just be that you realize that uh, our, our bodies are, are fleeting and it's really our consciousness that's important. And if you want eternal life, you just have to be able to download your consciousness in some, some sort of robotic uh, body that can be repaired. Good. Good word. Good man. I, li- I, li- 
I like the first one better though. Yeah, yeah. I do too. I I uh I used the reason I chose that that question or out of all the questions on Reddit was I used to have this joke where the joke the joke was in the build up and the suspense of of getting the answer for me. So I would go like I'd go to my cousins and I'd be like, "You know what I learned in college? I learned the secret of life." And they'd be like, "What? Really?" Like so, I would just kind of like I keep dragging on, like yeah, like I, do you really want to know? Are you sure you want to know? Because once you find out, you know, there's no going back. Like I would just drag on and on and on and not give them the answer, and they would like to the point where they would obsess, like what the fuck is the answer, Armando? And I'd finally go into their ear and whisper to them. So hold, hold on, hold on. So just to be clear, you're in your twenties at this point, yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mid twenties. And this this cousin that you're talking cousins, about is how old? Because it was several it was several cousins that I would. Okay, what is what is the age range of these cousins? They were probably sixteen to twenty. Oh, good lord! Okay, so so this doesn't say a lot for you, because basically you're like, hey, (laughs) hey, cousins who do not have access to higher education yet, look at me. I'm going to dangle this thing that I'm hypothetically learned at an institution of higher learning, and, and try to make you guess at it. But it really doesn't say a lot for your cousins because when you were setting up this scenario, I, I thought they were like five to eight years old. Oh no, no. The the joke was the joke was all about the buildup. Because at that time at that time, none of them really actually had gone to college. I think some of them have gone to college since. But it was about they knew I had gone away to college. They knew I was like taking re- all these religious studies courses, and of sure. course, all that stuff was part of the buildup. I'd be like, "Yeah, I learned some." No, I I understand, but if they were seventeen years old, regardless of whether or not they'd gone to college, they should have been like, "You didn't learn the meaning of life at college. Stop being a fucking idiot, Armando," and then walked away. Yeah, yeah, no, no, they and they all fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. So I would drag, I would drag it on and on and on and on, and finally, when I would. When I would give them the quote unquote, give them the answer, I'd go in their ear and I'd whisper to them, the secret of life is that tapatio makes everything taste better. And that was the that was the joke. But it worked every time. And every time they heard it, it was like, you motherfucker. They'd like slap me. They'd laugh. We, you know, we'd have a good good giggle. But it was, it was, I thought it was funny. I think I could probably still pull it off with, with certain family members. Actually, I'm, 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 I'm positive I could. What we've learned from from this this segment is, uh, Armando's family members are way more gullible than they should be, and Armando likes torturing them with jokes. Yeah, you can't. I wouldn't use the term gullible around them because then then they in turn get pissed off at me and say, "You think you're better than me?" Like you gotta just kind of let let it be. You kind of like let it air out. You kind of just gotta let it. Go out into space. You 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 can't use those those terms with them because then they uh, they get mad at me. Um, Armando's r- relatives are gullible and insecure. Got it. Probably. Who knows? Um, some of the uh, some of the answers on Reddit to that question, you you know, figure out the secret of the eternal life. What is it? Some of the answers are kind of amusing. Um, the one of the answers was just not dying. Uh, <laughs> another answer was cheese. Have you you've read Hitchhiker's Guide? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I have. Yeah, someone answered with, "I figured out what forty-two meant." I don't know the reference to this answer. The Philosopher's Stone, obviously. Uh, so yeah, I, I can fill that in. So so I actually mentioned that earlier. Th- this whole idea of equivalent exchange. So 
there's a lot of stories where alchemy is involved, you know, turning one thing into another thing, but you're not supposed to be able to turn something into nothing. You can't conjure something out of thin air. You have to have an equivalent item to turn into the, the item that you want. And the Philosopher's Stone is basically this mythical stone that can let you disregard all that and you can make something from nothing or you could turn something of lesser value into something of greater value. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a bunch of other funny answers. Thou must unpee, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, Next Reddit yeah, question. There's a couple other interesting answers to that, but it was I have to read the Next Reddit question. Next Reddit question. As a child, what did you expect to be a bigger deal in your adult life? Uh, so I had an immediate response to this <laughs> because I was cheating because I, I've watched many, many stand-up comedians do acts, and I had this answer preloaded in my head from a stand-up comedian's act. Do you want to go first? Because he has the best answer that can be given to this question. Yeah, yours is funnier. So my mine mine's a little more serious, more, a little more middle middle ditch. Um, as a child, I expected like getting a fucking education and getting a degree was going to be such like it was I thought it was going to set me apart from everybody so that when I entered the fucking workforce, it'd be like, oh, you got a degree. You got, you know, wow, we really want to hire you. I mean, that's what what I was kind of led to believe growing up. I think I'm not the only one. I think. Oh, no. All of us. Yeah. Every single one of this. So. So what I tell my sister now uh Cause she's got, you know, I, she's got two kids and my niece and nephew. And I, I, I phrase it in, in, in such a way where I tell her, like, I still believe education is important, but don't, don't be fooled to thinking that you go to college and that you're going to get a job that pays you well or that you're happy or whatever. Like, I still believe, I still firmly believe that everyone should be educated, but as far as like a career path, like it's probably better to pursue something that you're really good at or something that you're really passionate about. And can be really good at, and then hope that you can end up in somewhere where you can actually rake the chips in doing so. But um, yeah, anyway, that was my. Can, can, can I get up on a little yeah. little soapbox for a second? Please. This is hold on. This this is this is me dragging a soapbox over. This is me getting up on it. I'm up on the soapbox. It fucking drives me nuts when I talk to Gen uh, Gen Z or younger millennials. And because I've, I've heard them say this word for word, they're like, yeah, oh, a bunch of you just, you know, paid $100,000 to go to school and party for four years. And now you're whining about being in debt. And I'm like, hey, fuck you guys. Growing up, and I don't know if this was the same for you, but definitely for me, both my parents, every adult in my life, teachers, counselors, everyone was like, you have to go to college to get a degree. And then you get a degree and you get a good job. And like, this is the way to, to happiness in life and financial stability, this, that, and the other. And the fucked up part is maybe for them that was true, right? Because college degrees used to cost like a quarter what they do now. Yeah. Um, you could get a college degree for like $4,000 a year. Yeah, yeah. In 1970, if you had a college degree, even if you're a fuck up and it was in something stupid, you'd be able to get a job. <laughs> Those same people uh, kind of fucked up the environment. They crashed the housing market. Like, yeah. like the whole economy is in ruin. So for 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 us uh, specifically, it was like we're told our whole lives you have to get a degree. You're going to get a good job. There's plenty of jobs. There was this huge, especially when we were kids, huge boom in the internet. Like, 
you know, picking stocks in the stock market was fish in a barrel. Any tech stock was going to go up and you're going to make money. Yeah. Um, crim- criminally easy to make money. Uh, and for some people, it was literally criminal the way they made money during that time. Right. But like we get out of college. Uh, we, I, I don't know about, I guess you had two years. I had a year out of college when you're just supposed to be figuring stuff out, establishing ourselves. And then the, the housing market crashes. There's like a global recession because of that. It's way harder to get a job. And we're all stuck with a bunch of debt. Like our whole generation and specifically people right at our age completely got fucked. And that was not our fault. It wasn't, we, we weren't the ones who were, uh, basically shorting the entire housing market and we just had to try to clean up the pieces but like it set our whole generation back at least a decade in terms of you know buying a buying a house and financial stability and all that kind of stuff and yes there were people who were still able to do that uh a hundred percent certain people uh, handled it better than others because to, to take personal responsibility, like I came out of college with an English degree, which is definitely not the most immediately lucrative or useful degree. Like I get it, but what I'm saying is you can't put all the uh, responsibility at the feet of millennials in our generation. So fuck you guys. That's all I have to say. I, I also, at least maybe just my luck, but the industries that I've worked for, it's like, they don't value me any more than Joe Schmo, who has had no education. They just look at me like, oh, oh well. Like they don't, you know what I mean? Like I would, I would think um, that they would look at that as like a as an accolade. Like, okay, this guy does have a fucking good head on his shoulders. Maybe it's time to listen to him and his ideas um, and how we can be a progressive company or evolve as a company. All the things that we've learned at, you know, as as business students, so to speak. They don't fuck these guys. These corporate guys don't care. You know what? They, what they don't teach you, what they don't teach you in school is the uh, the politics of corporate America. Like they're that's probably way more important than fucking, you know, than what you know. Like it's who you know. It's how you maneuver your way through the fucking uh, corporate you know world. Um, but they don't teach you that shit. You know they don't. How how can you teach somebody that? It's just. It's it's uh it's the cold reality of it, but anyway, enough griping about me. Um, what was your answer? Your answer was actually more funny. That's why we put your answer last. Well, well, yeah, because I because I <laughs> I had a feeling we were gonna get worked up and a little angsty in that first part. So to be clear, not my answer. This was John Mulaney's answer, but I just had it top of mind when you sent that. Yeah, it was quicksand, and I I'm I'm gonna quote. This is from uh, one of John Mulaney's specials. He he goes. I always thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem than it turned out to be because if you watch cartoons, quicksand is like the third biggest thing you have to worry about in adult life behind sticks of dynamite and giant anvils falling on you from the sky. I used to sit around and think about what to do about quicksand. I never really thought about how to handle real problems. I was never like, oh, what's it going to be like to have relatives ask to borrow money? John Mulaney. Yeah, so that that that's uh those are good. Those are that's a your answer is funnier than mine. Um, well, I, again, I should hope so because I took it directly from uh, one of the best professional comedians uh, currently in the world. So yeah, I mean, that was going to be a little funny. Some of the other answers on Reddit uh, for as a child, what did you expect to be a bigger deal in your adult life? Um, this is a longer answer, but I'll try to make it brief. I won't go through the whole thing. I was always worried by the fact that my parents both had office jobs where they talk on the phone and write emails all day. Uh, blah, 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 blah. 
next thing you know, I went out for dinner with my siblings. We sat next to business. We sat next to a business dinner where they discussed Netflix and crack versus cocaine. <laughs> um, another answer given was the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> uh, having to refuse free drugs everywhere I go. Where are all the drug dealers handing out samples? Because as a kid, that's funny because as a kid, did you have the D.A.R.E. program growing up? Yeah, Officer Cullen. Shout out to Officer Cullen for showing us what street drugs look like. Drug abuse recognition. I don't even know what D.A.R.E. Stood for, stands for anymore. But it was basically like, stay away from dr- drugs, kids. Drugs are bad. Blah, blah, blah. You're going to die if you try pot. And, and they're going to be bad people everywhere giving them to you, trying to kill you. And they just scared the shit out of you. It's like, okay, where are the free drugs at, man? Who? I want some free weed. What the hell? No one. Armando, it was it was dare drug abuse resistance education. Sure. Dare to resist drugs and violence, kids. Sure, I, I just I forgot what it says for. You're right. The the only part I remember about it was the t-shirts because yeah. people like to ironically wear the t-shirts. And two, good old Officer Cullen, he brought in a briefcase that had these like little uh, sections in it, and then he, he the briefcase had. I don't know if they were real or they were just like mock-ups. I would, I hope they were mock-ups. It would be hilarious if they were real. But of all the various street drugs, so it's like <laughs> this is what a baggie of cocaine will look like. This is, I guess, it was real marijuana. Probably this is what marijuana looks like. You know, like it. You know, this is what, this is what a heroin needle. Jesus, like. I don't know that they did that for us. That's kind of crazy. Like that, thanks, dude. We do. We were in like fourth grade too. That was the funniest part. It's like just so we know if we see the risky behavior, how how would you inject yourself with that heroin needle? Shit, I, I don't think anyone asked that, but I, I'm just envisioning. I remember him. He's a he was a little little heavy set cop. He had like a big mole on his face, um, kind of short hair and like this ruddy complexion. I'm just envisioning Officer Cullen giving a demo about how to shoot yourself up with heroin. Like, okay, so first you you want to put this strap around your arm so you get a good vein, children, <laughs> and then then you inject right into the center of the vein. And then you slip off in a sweet, sweet oblivion. Holy shit. You went dark. Dare is a little bit different in our school, I guess. Yeah, we didn't. I don't recall that in my Dare program, but I want one of them shirts. That'd be cool to get one of them shirts. Just. I'm sure that they sell them on Etsy and just eBay. Just nostalgia's sake. Some of the other things we worry about, uh, spontaneous human combustion. <laughs> um my permanent record. I thought all the stupid shit I got in trouble for in school would be the access would be accessible to employers for the rest of my life. Yeah, guess what, kids? Yeah, you're pretty you're pretty free and clear once you turn 18. That's why there's you know juvenile record and all that other crap. So get into trouble, get dirty. Don't listen to your parents. Life pro tips from Armando yeah. Ramirez. Shit, it would have. Hey, if I'd gotten more into more trouble as a kid, I think it would have brought uh, forth a lot more balance in my life. Like I was. So sheltered, so unallowed to do anything. Like I couldn't spend the night at my buddy's house who lived upstairs from us. Like it was just, it was, it was really bad with me. And then they they loosened up the reins a lot with my brother and sister. What did you do as a kid that got you into the most trouble? Um, yeah, just being out like late after dark. Like I'd get into deep shit. Like I'd be like, seriously? Like I have friends that are fucking smoking. My little brother was smoking pot in high school. And here I couldn't spend the night upstairs in my friend's house. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't get away with anything, and and he, they could get away with like murder, and be okay. That's just the way it was. Anyway, moving on. Um, you you had a question, Aaron. Yes. It wasn't an ask Reddit question, but but 
It could be. Okay. It is an Ask Reddit-like question, but it was a question I had. Maybe I should post it on Reddit after we do this and see if we get some answers. But it was, what was something that happened that really changed how you viewed a parent? And, and do you want me to answer first? Because I, I, sure. I've got... I've got like a different answer for each parent, if that makes sense. Because um, I, I view them differently. I treat them differently. And, and to each one, it's like with my with my mom, it was uh, it wasn't like an, a specific event or spe- like it's hard to pinpoint exactly when it started. But when I started to distrust her, like catching her on lies, <laughs> like and it's always like little innocent white lies stuff. But, you know, the older you get, the more you re- realize like, oh, shit, my life if like revolved around like this trust in your parent and that they were telling you the truth and that they were leading you in like the right direction. And all this time mm-hmm. they were lying about this, that, and the other. And to this day, she still lies through her teeth, like every day, all the time. And, and so that would probably be the thing for my mom, for my dad. So oh wait, hold on. Let me actually, that's good. Let's let's cause, cause it sounds like mine is sort of not, not similar to yours, but you had uh, a kind of a progression with your mom. For me, it was the same way with my, my, dad there wasn't like one single event that was really changed i just know for me with him it was more of a function of after going out living in the world interacting with people you know outside the shelter of our home you know when i came back as an adult and spent more time around him i was just like wait wh- wh- what the fuck <laughs> like how, how do you how do you, have you managed to make it this far in life like you've had jobs where you have to deal with the people a lot. Like you were actually in a management position. Like he, he, I can immediately trace back a lot of the interpersonal problems I had with dealing with other people to things that he does. And an example that I can, I can give that's it's like kind of funny, but it's also really uh, annoying for me because this is something I used to do was like, he will just leave in the middle of someone talking to him. Oh shit. <laughs> like, like they're like mid sentence and he just remembers like, Oh, I have to go get something or, and like he'll do it to me now and I'll just be like, oh, you, you just left the room. And I'll hear him yell from another room like, oh, no, I'm still listening. <laughs> and then I have to I have to go through this mental battle. I'm like, you know, OK, do I try to explain to my seven year old father that y- you can't do that because it's extremely disrespectful. You're going to piss anyone off. You do it like do, do you do this in like the real world? Like if you're talking to, you know, when you were talking to someone when you were a reporter, would you just leave in the middle of us, you know, when they're in the middle of a sentence? There's lots of stuff like that where when I was a teenager growing up, I was like, oh, this is – you just do this. This is normal. None, none of those things ever registered to me because it, I thought they were normal things that people did. And then I came back and I was like, what the hell, dad? How, how did you make it this yeah, far? I'm sure if I if I took the time I'm, and I kept like a journal or a diary of some sort, I can come up with like a laundry list of like I guess conditioned behaviors that are – you know, and to be fair – Good and bad, probably more bad stuff. Because look, this is the way I look at it. I'm a normal human. I'm trying to, I'm trying to better, better myself every day. Uh, I hope you're okay. You have water. Aaron's Aaron's choking. He just swallowed some spit and didn't go down the right. I'm dying. Yeah. No, I just yeah, wrong tube. No. We'll cut that. We'll cut that call, part out. Call the paramedics. Fuck me. <laughs> I didn't write my will yet. I'm, hold on, I'm gonna type it out yeah, right now. Sorry for sorry for laughing. Maybe you should drink some water. Armando, <coughs> I'm gonna leave you. All right. My subscription password to you porn. 
in my will. <laughs> is there such a thing as you porn? <sighs> there, okay, I, I don't. There is such a thing as you porn. I don't know if there's such a thing as a password. I just oh, made that okay, because I I I just go to anyway. I just go to PornTube and see all the free shit. I don't know that there was a okay. Anyway. Um, what was I? I? I was trying to. I was I was trying to say I was gonna leave a password to some like like pay porn yeah. site, and then I realized I didn't know any of uh, them, and so then I had to make it up. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so I, what I, I forgot where I left. Oh, so I was saying, like, I'm sure if I had a diary or a journal or something, like, there's a, there's probably a laundry list of, like, good and bad, to be fair, uh, conditioned behavioral things that I've learned from my folks. Um, but, like, anybody like anybody that doesn't uh, an, a, an, in, an insane amount of self-reflection the way I do, you try to look at all the bad things, or at least I try to look at all the bad things, because no one needs to improve really on something you do well. Like if I like the things that I'm good at, I don't need to improve those. I don't need to change those. Just leave those as they be. But all all of my character flaws, whatever they are, like I look at those and I look at like, okay, why am I like that? How did I become that? Why am I this way or that way? Because I get called out on here and there for some of like my negative attributes. It used to be growing up like, oh, you're stubborn just like your dad. That was like a number one thing. And I'm like, well, one way of looking at it is I'm stubborn. Another way of looking at it is I'm strong-willed, right? Stubborn is, I guess, the way I look at it is like refusing to, refusing to, to look at logical ways. If you can, if you can like logically convince me otherwise, I'm like, okay, I see your point. You're right. And I, so that's one thing where like I, I think I gr- grew into that. Whereas when I was a kid. I think I was for sure stubborn. Now that I'm older, I look at it like, well, no, I'm just opinionated or I'm just unwavering in this, that, or the other. There's a lot of bad things, a lot of good things too uh, that I learned from my folks, you know, just condition things. But I, I for sure look at all the bad things and try to fix and fix those and be better, you know, about those things. I don't think, I don't think a lot of people do that. I think, um, I think that takes a certain amount of maturity to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm not so good at this or I'm weak at that and try to be better. Okay, so what about your dad? My dad, we didn't grow up in a household that had a lot of money. My my dad worked a fucked up, it wasn't a fucked up job, but it fucked up hours. And we lived, like often, our upbringing was like there was five of us in a one-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment, right? Um, and then we upgraded at some point to a two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment, five of us. So we didn't have very much means growing up. But I remember specifically we were going to like a like a swap meet or something like that, like a flea market. And we were buying, I think we had to buy like a repair part or a chain or something for a bicycle I had. And we would always get an allowance every weekend. Every every Sunday, my dad would give me like three bucks and my brother would get like two bucks or something like that. Like I got a little bit more because I was older or something like that. You know, he would teach me the value of saving and whatnot. But every now and again, he'd be, he, couldn't, he couldn't give me an allowance. And I never asked him why. I never really, I never like pouted about it and until finally one day my, my dad was like, you know what? When I can give you, like, I want you to understand when I, when I've got something to give you, I, I, I will give you, but when I don't have anything to give, give you, like, I want you to understand that it's just, I, I just can't, you know? And this was like, man, I must've been like fucking eight, nine, ten years old when my dad told us that or told me that. So I always appreciated, like, I, I try to be that way, like with my friends or family or whenever I, whenever I've got something to give I, I i would like to think that i'm a i'm a giving generous person i give without expecting to receive something back in return like i just give 
just to be kind. I don't, I don't, I don't keep a tally. Oh, like I gave this person, you know what I mean? But when I don't have something to give, like, like, Hey man, sorry, sorry. I just can't like, I just can't, I can't help you out today. You know what I mean? But I think I learned that early on with my dad. So I saw a struggle as a family. So I never, I never was. So the question was, what was something that happened that changed how you view a parent? I just learned to um, appreciate what our what my dad does for us, like what he what he can do for us, what he has done for us. He's hmm. not a very, and that's one of very few times. Like my dad's a very he, he's a very closed person, not very you know not doesn't really show emotion, doesn't really he's not open. You can't have conversations with him about what things that are bothering you. That's just his. You, your dad and my dad should yeah, hang out. No, they're very dry personalities. Very. For sure, they might even be best friends. <laughs> Who knows? So when, when, whenever my dad did open up, even if it was the slightest chink, like something small like that, like it was like, oh shit, my dad's human after all. You know what I mean? I got you. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess I, guess I, I it's not really similar with my mom, but it, it is more a, a single incident like that. The weird part is I feel like usually when that happens, it, it's when you're a kid or a teenager. When you had that sort of change, when you had that viewpoint shift, and in my mom's case, I, it, you know, it was just really this past week, which is weird to say. Gr- growing up, you know, I, I always viewed both my parents as, as very smart, intelligent people. Uh, you know, I know they both did very well on IQ tests. I mean, my mom would always w- watch all these murder shows. One of them being Law and Order. Order, fuck that show. Um, but <laughs> and she'd she'd be like, oh, I've already figured out who did it, and everything like that. I mean that. That has been on my mind because I also, you know, just sort of assume like they're both writers. Uh, my, my dad was a, a journalist. My mom was an editor and she would also do a lot of rewrites. She'd always talk about, oh, my God, this person has no idea how to write, how I have to fix everything. And I would just assume that they were both really like top notch writers, right? Like your parents, you think the best of them and they're really intelligent and they're smart and this is their profession. So obviously they're good at it. That's what I assumed. The first real sort of chink in that viewpoint was when my mom and I co-authored a book uh, a few years back uh, about the 2016 election. Working on that book, which I have sent you a copy, uh, I, I remember getting some of the chapters that she wrote and just being like, wow, what the fuck is this? Like the <laughs> quality of the writing was, I would just, I would, and I realized I'm, oh, I haven't really read a lot of her stuff. Cause a lot of times it was, she was rewriting somebody else's. It was a book I didn't care about. Like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't fiction. It wasn't a topic that I was interested in. So I really hadn't read any of it. And I remember just like frantically trying to rewrite some of her chapters because I would have been embarrassed to have my name attached to a book <laughs> that, that the the writing was was of that caliber. And and this and at the time, this is sort of what I thought. I was like, you know what? She, she I think she had another project. She was working for a magazine. Maybe she was really just trying to phone that in and just kind of get it done. And then also part of it was the book was supposed to be kind of funny and irreverent. And a lot of the worst parts was when she I, I don't even know what it was. I think she was trying to make jokes or trying to make it funny. And it was just really not very good. But on the flip, it's it's extremely hard to do in a written format for you know for like a printed book to actually make dry political content seem entertaining. And you know even even if you read parts of the book, I think you told me you read several of the chapters. Like, yeah. I, I struggled with that at times, and I think I'm better than most people at being able to interject humor into uh, subjects that aren't 
inherently funny and like I had a tough time with it. So I was like, okay, fine. She, she was in a hurry. She phoned it in. And then plus making this stuff funny is, is very difficult. And maybe that's not her forte, like whatever. And I just sort of dismissed it more recently. She, she said she wanted to start working on a novel. Um, you know, like it was going to be a detective story and a, and a period piece. I said, I'd be happy to look at the, the outline and I even offered to do sort of a similar job to what I did with that previous book where it's like if she writes it and she wants me to come in and punch up some of the humor and maybe work through you know to add some more descriptive language because that's one thing I've just realized despite the, their whole careers being in writing just from a pure sort of technical artistic perspective I can just write better than both my parents if all three of us are trying to describe the same thing and the goal is to describe it in an interesting and engaging way that kind of invokes your brain. It paints a mental picture. I can just do that better than them, which it was hard to come to grips with because you always think, oh, your, your parents, they're just more experienced. They're better than you. But long story short, with this outline, she, she gave it to me and I'm looking over it. And it was that same reaction I had to the previous book, but like times a thousand where I'm reading. I'm like, what? the fuck is this oh, <laughs> like none of this makes it, like this doesn't logically make sense like your plot doesn't make sense the characters are weird she had a lot of good elements like there's definitely a lot of thought went into it but i just didn't jibe with my my view of her as an author just just as someone who's smart and intelligent and intellectual and i was like really been struggling with that all week where i'm like i don't I don't know how to, to resolve that in my mind because at this point, like we're, we're, we're kind of fucking old, you know, yeah. usually at this point, your viewpoint about people um, that you've known a long time gets set. And that, that really puts some, some cracks in the foundation of, of the viewpoint I have about my mom. I'm like, what the, what the fuck do I do about this? I, I have, I have, a, I have some more things, you know, but they're probably a little more on the Excelsior side, so I don't want to talk about it. Armando, that was a real question. What the fuck do I do about this? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I'm, you and me are in the same boat. You and me are in the same boat in that sense where there's like, like, hey, wait a minute. Like at a certain level, like, hey, oh, shit, now I got to be the adult because whatever, whatever they're mentally withering or, or maybe, you, maybe we kind of surpassed them in certain areas. I mean, sure, there, there's probably wisdom that they have that – they can teach us or what have you, but for a lot of like we we do outgrow. Um, I don't know. We do outgrow certain things about our parents. You know what I mean? So I don't I, I don't know how to answer that 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 question. Let, let me give you a concrete example because maybe someone listening to this might be like, oh, you're just shitting on your mother and you're being hypercritical. And I'm sure it was fine. <laughs> this was I, I, this was one of the first notes that I had to give about this outline. I'm not making this up. I the first note was. Things have to happen in the book. There need to be events. There need to be things that are entertaining and engaging. You can't, you can't have a, a chapter. And I, I really did try to put it a lot more constructively than this, but I was like, you can't have a, an entire chapter that is just completely exposition, and it's just one character telling the other character a bunch of things. Like things have to happen in your book. Right. Makes sense. Right. Like, <laughs> Um, but there were whole chapters where there where it would be like nothing much happened, but then this person just told him all this stuff. And I, I, I was like, oh no, oh, how do I, uh, unless I just try to like redo this entire outline for her. I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, does she, does she have an, uh, like, uh, 
like a, a like an, a projected finish date, or is she just kind of working on it and it'll be done when it's done? Uh, I I think the second one. Um, oh okay. But I I don't know I. I tried to um, let me get even more specific. I, I tried to I tried to offer like like something really constructive uh, because because yeah the first the first chapter it's it's this this histor- this period piece where it's about a detective from in like I think like 1900. I thought it was a little bit later than that one, but like this detective who moves from New York to Denver and then he goes and solves a crime in Denver. And the first chapter takes place on a train when they're when they're going. Uh, from a train, you know, from from New York to Denver, and in her in her outline, the detective just sort of wakes up, and there's this guy in a fancy suit sitting across to him, uh, across from him, and they start talking, and the guy in the fancy suit just tells him a bunch about Denver, and then the detective has a, a like a flashback, and then just tells his entire backstory, and then they get to Denver. I was like, well, I mean, okay, so you just tell the whole backstory and exposition up front, the guy in the fancy suit just tells all this, this information. It's sort of this information dump about Denver, just completely in exposition. And then the, the story starts. I'm like, there's really no action, but there could be. So I did a whole rewrite of that chapter. I actually wrote the first chapter. It was 15 pages long. And in my, in my version, instead of just waking up on the train and having this guy in front of him, this rich guy in the fancy suit is at the bar car of the train getting just shit-faced, obliterated, and ends up wrecking the bar car. They're going to arrest him, and despite his his instincts and despite what he wants to do, this detective ends up getting involved, and that's the chapter. And all the same information is conveyed similarly, but there's no exposition. It's all sort of action-based and, and hijinks driving the gotcha. plot instead of... Gotcha. And, I worked, I worked really hard on that, and then I gave it to it. So you spiced it up to make it a little bit more uh, digestible. Like you wanna, you wanna move move forward in the story, right? Yeah. Well, you need, that you need. To, if you're writing a book, you need things to happen in your story. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Is, I get you. I get you. But it was funny though. She she read it, and at first she was she was kind of, I think, a little bit defensive because it was like, oh, you just took what I did and did something completely different. And then the next day, she, she, she comes to me and she goes, oh, maybe we really need to get you to write a story about a, a detective in the <laughs> 1900s. Because, like, that first chapter was really good and you just caught that tone and, like, the vibe of detective stories. And it it had that, like, Raymond Chandler. I don't know if you probably never read Raymond Chandler, but, I mean, oh. he is the best detective writer, I think, of all time. Uh, the Big Sleep is amazing. Just that, like, gumshoe sort of, like, hard-boiled detective. That's where so many of those tropes and stereotypes come from is Raymond Chandler. One, I was sitting there like, you realize I can, I can do that with anything it doesn't have to be detective it's just that's just evocative writing and when you have an entertaining story that's playing out it's a lot easier and then two i was like fuck maybe i need to write a detective story (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you go dude you gotta do something in your spare time it's always it's always nice to have a creative outlet that's why i do that's why i I look forward to and love doing this podcast because i can have a shit week or an okay week or a great week but the podcast is always like a it's always like a, a uh, a, a good kick in the nuts like it's always like a it's always like um pumping new blood in my veins i guess you know what i mean it always a shot of adrenaline in the testes sure hell yeah 
I like the I like the analogy. But yeah, it's always I, I, Chinese COVID swab up the rectum. Oh, don't know. Uh, uh-uh, I don't want that one. I don't want that one. No, it's okay. The Chinese COVID swabs are, are much smaller. I hear. That was that was like a real reach at a dick joke. Don't worry about it. No, um, no, I did I did hear about that, but I don't know if it's true or not. But I did hear about that. I hope it's not true. And if it is, uh, I, uh, give me the nose one, please. <laughs> yeah, the nose one, as long as it hasn't just also been recently used for uh, a rectal one. A rectal one? Yeah. No, I don't want that one. Got it. Okay, so let me put this out there. Uh, listeners slash Armando, if anyone wants, I could send you that first chapter I wrote. And granted, this was literally a first draft. Like, I wrote it, cleaned up uh, the grammar with a spell check and just sent it along. Send it. But but you read it and tell me like do you think i should actually write a detective story send it i'll read it for sure i'm i'm currently still stuck on book whatever two or three of the a song of ice and fire so that's going to take me a while but it isn't it's not going to take me long to finish up a chapter or two of your of your writing i would love to read it well it was, it was one chapter and the way i write is a lot more engaging than the way that uh what's his name george rr R. martin oh, writes yeah. <laughs> Okay. I don't. All right, I, all right, dude. I don't go into like 15 minutes of detail about the your, way someone's sword looked. Your head just got super swollen right now. I could. I know we don't. We're not. I don't have video of you, but your head just got really, really large right now. <laughs> no, I just don't have a very high opinion of, of his writing. Like so. So his his world building amazing. His characters amazing. His plotting amazing. Like if I could do any of those things like an eighth as well as George R. R. Martin does, I would be a really, really um, successful writer right now. But the one thing I can't, similar, and this is what I was saying with my parents, in terms of just the actual ability to write, I guarantee you if I rewrote his all of his books, they would be a little bit more engaging and entertaining than he is. Here's what, here's, I tell my niece this because I heard it somewhere else. Like a good, a, a good art. What is it? A good piece of art is never completed; it's just given up on. Is that how that saying goes? That's it's, the gist of it. Something like that. It's just like uh, R- writing in particular. You can always revise and yeah, come back to yeah. more stuff. Because she gets my niece gets critical about she she likes to paint. She likes to paint. She likes to draw. So I'm always buying her like canvases and paints and random crap for her birthday or whatever. She looks back because I I use one of her. She made me like a three by five on a little canvas that's thin enough where I use it as a bookmark. It's a big bookmark, granted, three by five, but and she called it Galaxy. I think it's really fucking cool piece of artwork. But she saw it the other day. She's like, "Ugh, what's that?" And I go, "You you made that for me like two years ago." She's like, "Yeah, but I would I could do so much better now." And I go, "Yeah, well, you can't be you can't be too harsh in your works of art. Like you just gotta." Put it out there and hope that someone falls in love with it and and move on. You know, I think artists are always going to be pretty critical about their artwork. You know, whether it's music or or writing or or whatever it is. The the trickiest part with writing is that the the paint is never dried on the canvas, so to speak. Right? Yeah, you can always make revisions, you can always paint over, but at a certain point, it's dry, and that that version you can't mess with anymore. Uh, but with the invention of uh, computers and word processors, it's always just sitting there. There's always one revision you can make that would make it a little bit better, and eventually you just have to let it go. Um, But all all that being said, I think for me, the thing that I have to do is just plow through an outline and not worry about if it's shit, just get a finished outline because it's always easier to – it's always easier to revise something that's already there. And maybe the thing you end up with doesn't – even remotely look like the thing that you begin with 
But it was actually interesting. I was surprised. I had a much easier job writing the, the draft of that first chapter than I expected. And I, I actually think it might be because of the podcast, because I've, I've always had a tendency to really get stuck on and almost over-focus on, well, how do I really improve this one little section? Okay, this paragraph isn't flowing quite right. Like, let me really tinker with that. And when you get that focused in, it really impedes your writing process. You're not going to be able to just bang out a 15-page chapter in a day. And from this podcast, maybe it's a skill that I lacked before, but I learned, you know what? Sometimes you just have to barrel ahead and it doesn't come out quite right. And you just shrug and you keep going and don't fucking worry about it. Right. I mean, I think anyone that's listened to me talk, they're like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what you do. Yeah. So I think I applied that to the writing process a little bit more, but hey, that being said, we're becoming better, uh, creative, cre- uh, creatives. Yeah. That's the word I was trying to come up with too bad. My brain doesn't work, but yeah, we're being, we're becoming better creatives through expressing, uh, some of our art. And, and and with that, I would like to move on to potentially a new segment called Making Friends on Twitter. <laughs> as, as I explained last episode, uh, I, I'm very carefully trying to recruit Twitter followers to, who might at some day listen to the podcast. So I, I've been enjoying both our interactions and then uh, trying to tailor content on Twitter to, to some of those, these people. Uh, so let me let me just give you a quick rundown of some of the both the tweets and then particularly the Twitter interactions uh, that I had that I enjoyed this past week. Uh, the, f- the first one was just a tweet I had. There was an article from oh sorry this was an article on NPR and it was the Rochester mayor suspends police officers who pre- who pepper sprayed nine year old girl. My my tweet was police colon we're highly trained professionals professionals and we can safely use chokeholds. Also police. Oh my God, this nine-year-old girl is kicking like like really hard. What do we do? Because <laughs> if you read the story, that was the gist of it. it was, they were they got a call from the girl's mother because she was acting crazy and wild. And when they were trying to get her in the police car, she kept kicking. And then they got annoyed with it and just pepper sprayed her in the face. Yeah, it's fucked up. I mean, I, I didn't read the story. I saw, your, I saw your tweet and I was like, oh shit, that actually happened. And... Um Yes, sir. It's pretty fucking, I mean, it's pretty fucked up. I mean, there's, it's easy for us to say because we're the outside looking in. I mean, there's, we always look at, oh, there's probably a better way to resolve it. Have, again, I always come back to this guy. We talked about this before. I'm not going to rehash the whole thing. Have basic grappling skills. Learn how to do a leg lace. It's not that hard. I know if you've watched MMA for a long time, you probably don't know what that is because that's more of a freestyle wrestling specific thing. Learn how to do a leg lace and she can't kick. Yeah. Done. Fucking Rochester police assholes. Let's have a a, a funnier tweet. Uh, I was going to say, say in reference to that, um, listen to one of our really earlier on podcasts where we like the whole the whole episode was practically us debating like whether or not police should uh, use chokeholds, and we went into depth about grappling and stuff. So maybe maybe revisit one of our older podcast episodes. Um, I forget what it was called. Oh, it's called To Choke or Not to Choke, now that I remember it, actually. And then uh, it'll, we'll, we'll, Aaron and I dive real deep into that uh, whole philosophical standpoint of it. We had a tweet from Rob Oloke saying, If I had a nickel for every time I had a nickel, I would have a bunch of nickels. 
To which I responded, breaking news, man who doesn't understand perpetual multiplication destroys the universe with infinite nickels. Nice. Because if you think about it, if, if he had a nickel for every time he had a nickel, that would just quickly multiply into infinity. And uh, back to our earlier point of alchemy, where there's a law of equivalent exchange, you know, you, you can't create something without destroying something else. He, he would just destroy the universe to make nickels. That's too many nickels. Do you remember that it's girl? A lot, it's a lot of nickels. Do you, do you remember that girl? I'm, I've, I don't, we've said nickels so many times in a row. For some reason, it's making me uncomfortable. But um, yeah, sorry, you were saying? No, I, I, I know. We, yeah. Uh, do you remember that one girl? Do you ever remember that girl? I think she wasn't in a society. <clears throat> they used to call her a bag of nickels. I, I, I do. <laughs> I remember. I, I, so, so this was actually that, that came from the lacrosse players. So I knew this I, story very well. What happened was what what had happened. This is a what had happened type of story. What had happened was she was at a party and she says, ah, all my friends say I look like Britney Spears. And then one of the lacrosse guys said, yeah, Britney Spears after she got hit in the face with a bag of nickels and the nickname stuck. <laughs> That sucks because I I had her in a couple classes. Like, on the one hand, I feel bad for the chick because she got knocked down a peg, you know? Like, because she did think really highly of herself. she And she wasn't uh, that... She wasn't attractive at all. Um, but on the other hand, like I said, like, <laughs> she got that name... She, that, she was a Whittier College 5. A Whittier College 5. Um, okay. All right. I'll give you that. I, all right. Yeah. Would you college five? Which was like in Los Angeles three. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Because there is a curve for sure. Would you college? There's a would you college? There was a Bakersfield curve when I was living in Bakersfield, and there's certainly a would you college curve as far as uh, the, the the Bakersfield curve. You just count how many teeth they have, and that's their number. No, no, no. Because then you'd have, you, you would have some. Uh, it, it was it was a joke, yeah, man. Don't, don't take it too serious. Speaking speaking of jokes, uh, the the Twitter account at facts said. People spend too much time looking for more instead of appreciating what they already have. And Eric Melgoza said, that's how my ex-wife was with Cox. Oh, shit. <laughs> to which I replied, someone should have told her a cock in the hand is worth two in the bush. Holy shit. That's, I bet you that joke went over his head, too. <laughs> I bet you. That was a good one. I like that. Just like the cock over his wife's head. Probably. Um. Or two cocks in front of her, anyway. This one, yeah. <laughs> there's, there, 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 this will quickly devolve into gangbang bukkake humor. So let's let's cut it off before it gets that far. Yep. But uh, this this next one, um, the the Goa constrictor was responding to a, a Mother Jones uh, clip, and it was a clip of a Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene who was uh, endorsing political violence. She said, the only way you get your freedom back is if it's earned with the price of blood. And the going constrictor did not like this. He said, this is shockingly unacceptable language. Uh, to which I replied, I really liked how she, try, uh, she tried to deliver it with a look at my Southern common sense vibe too. Like, y'all know when your chuck gets stuck in the mud, you got to steer out of that. And when you lose an election, you best murder a few dozen politicians. In my head, it was in a southern accent. You can't really tell that on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't. We don't really need to get into that. But yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's fucking nuts. It's a little bit scary to me that she's in Congress. Like whether you're conservative or Republican or Democrat or anything in between, that woman's fucking nuts. And you cannot change my mind on that one. The late night comedy, which is at Z underscore Augustine. My workouts consist mainly of exercises and futility. 
To which I responded, make sure to get your cardio in while running from your problems. Ha ha ha. A nice lighthearted joke. Good. Oh man, we, maybe we, we could talk about this one a little bit more. The, the I wasn't expecting this. The tweet that I got the most engagement with the whole week was just a, a repost on an article where it said, uh, a Wasso second grader expelled for telling another girl she had a crush. Uh, and this was a, uh, from the, she was expelled from Rejoice Christian School in Owasso. And to which, so my tweet was, you know, Rejoice Christian School, colon, God loves you and made you in his image and forgives your sins unless you're an eight-year-old and tell another girl you think she's cute. And that got retweeted a lot. Like, yeah. it got retweeted, retweeted like 10 times. I was surprised. I don't, I don't know how anyone found my tweet because I'm not hashtagging things or anything like that. But a lot of people really reacted to that article. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. It's pretty fucked up. You know, the the world is evolving. I think that I think that type of thinking was probably the norm, I don't know, 50, 40 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe even. But the world's changing. And um, I mean, you love who you love. And and the girl just said she was cute, right? She wasn't like she fucking. Oh, I don't I don't. They didn't say specifically. That was my take on it. Oh, okay. A little, little, little joke. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I didn't... They just said that she told the girl she had a crush. There you go. But, but that... she's. Eight. Yeah, exactly. It's not like it's not like she was like, I don't know. I don't want to sound graphic, but it's not like she went and groped her or did something pretty like like really offensive. She just made a comment and hey, I got a crush on you. So the fuck what? Who cares? And she's eight. Right. I, I know <laughs> that's the part I keep coming back to. Progressive parents um, of uh, like like friends of ours that like are like I don't I don't want to say they're they're shoving down you know, transgender or whatever, but they're, they're definitely let, letting it like, it's, it's like, Hey, everyone's equal. Like they're, they're reinforcing the fact that you shouldn't like, you love who you love. You like who you like. And that's, that's kind of cool. I mean, it is what it is, you know? Well, and, and that's one of the things though. And, and you know what, as much as I bagged on Whittier college in this episode, I think one of the best uh, experiences I had was I, I did take a religious studies class um, with uh, a Mr. Randall Reed and it, it wasn't, you know, learning scripture or anything like that. It was looking at how the Bible was assembled, you know, the different parts, the authors, that sort of thing. And one of the things that really struck me was that there was a, a uh, I can't remember, I don't think it, it wasn't actually part of the, the New Testament. There was a section that was most closely attributed to Jesus. Like most of the, the uh, New Testament isn't, from Jesus, it's from people re- relaying stories or experiences, and it's really from their point of view. I mean, a lot of them were just letters that were never meant actually to be turned into a fucking Bible. But if you get to the part about Jesus, it really was more like a like love everyone, like be good to your neighbor, like a much more kind of kind of loving, laid back, like accepting viewpoint of the world. And one of the best, I shouldn't say best, one of the one of the the responses that. I saw around this whole debate that sort of hit home for me or for me, it, it felt like it rang true was someone said something to the effect of, I see all these people saying the problem is that they're not teaching religion in schools. I think the problem is that they're not teaching religion in churches. I was like, damn. Yeah, it's true. That, that fucking hits. And now that we, we got philosophical and deep, let me, <laughs> let, let me, let me end uh, the making friends on Twitter with this. Uh, also from late night comedy, Z underscore Augustine. He said, when I say, quote, I'll be the bigger man here, 
I mean because my food choices, not my morals, to which I responded, bigger is such a vague description of size anyway. I like to get philosophical and say, I'll be the deeper man or anatomical and say, I'll be the longer man. And that's really how I wanted to end this <laughs> on a duck joke. And I succeeded in that. Mission accomplished. Good job. See, you are a degenerate. You, you, deep down, you got a deep little dark degenerate heart, even though you say you aren't really, but we, we both are. We got a little... Sort of, but... Oh, no, no, I never said I wasn't. I just said I don't do that many degenerate things. And then the flip of that, you know, there's, there's that whole thing of does life imitate art or does art imitate life? And in this one, it might be that that the the art of our podcast is now influencing and dictating what I'm doing in my actual life, which is a little bit scary. But like I'm looking for degenerate opportunities because I got to live up to the name of the podcast now. Fuck. Good man. It's a lot of responsibility. Good man. It's it's balance. We're, our lives are full of balance. That's what I'm saying. We can't be angels forever. Yes. <laughs> Um, we, we, we're, we're like the, the, the Buddha of Pornhub. <laughs> we just, was, yes, balance in all things. You must, for, for every inspirational run to the top of a mountaintop, you must also have a half hour session on Pornhub where you really hate yourself afterwards. This is the balance that we must achieve. Hey, I, okay. So this is a ta- tangent sort of kind of not really, but, but somewhat, um, somewhat Oh God, I'm scared. No, Go no, ahead. So, <laughs> so speaking of balance, we're gonna run this 13.1 mile thing in Flagstaff, Arizona. Here, and uh, we we booked our what would you say? It's not Airbnb. It's uh, Verbo or whatever. We booked our place um, the, for the last weekend of March. Twenty. We did it. Twenty reservations 20, made. 20, just 20, something like that. Thursday to like an hour ago. Yeah. So we're gonna do that, and I'm I'm. I'm pretty sure we're gonna finish. Like I have full confidence that we're gonna finish. I don't think one of us is gonna quit. If I gotta, if oh, I gotta drag you, or you oh no, no no no, we're we're gonna finish. Like that, this is what I've been trying to tell you. The goal here is to finish. And when we were talking about this off air, like my leg is really fucked up right now. Like I would be dragging my leg behind me, my left leg behind me the whole time. That being said, if I had to right now go out and do a half marathon, I could. It might take me six hours, but I'd finish. So. So speaking, so that's why I brought it up was we have to, we have to reward ourselves when we're done. Like what's going to be our, what's going to be our treat or our reward when we finish this, right? We're already out there. We're going to be having a good time. we got a little nice little cabin out in the middle of nowhere in Flagstaff. What's going to be, what's going to be our treat, our reward for finishing the, 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 we have to have something. Oh, that's weird. Cause to me, the whole the whole trip and the journey and doing the half marathon is an intrinsic reward. You want something on top okay, of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. I get, I get, I get what you're saying. No, no, I'm, ser- I'm, right. I'm serious. Like, cause I, I was thinking about this hundred percent on the real. I was thinking about this cause I'm like, man, is it really worth it to put myself through all this shit? Like I'm going to have, I, you know, cause I knew going into it, I'm going to have a lot of aches and pains. Like something's going to end up probably getting fucked up that I have to try to rehab. It's going to cost a bunch of money, blah, blah, blah. And then when I thought of it, I'm like, no, man, I haven't done anything like this for years. Like, it will be fun to have this adventure, go out and see a buddy. Like, this whole process, as, sh- as shitty as it might be, at parts of it, I'm going to look back and be like, fuck, that was cool. I'm glad I yeah, did that. Yeah, for sure. So I, 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 will t- I will too. But but you, you're, you're, what you're asking, you're like, all right, we're going to have a – an ice cream Sunday oh, of a that's trip. What I was thinking. What's the fucking cherry? That's, 
Yo, I want the cherry. I was actually thinking, like, we should go out for some fucking ice cream or some shit. Or, I mean, because you don't drink, so I don't want to say, hey, let's go to the bar and get fucked up. That's probably not going to happen, right? I was thinking, like, we got to have, like, a birthday cake or, <laughs> um, <laughs> or something. One, I, 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 with that, I hadn't really thought about that, but I was, I was thinking, like, man, are there any sort of alcoholic beverages that uh, are, are, like, easy on your stomach that don't fuck your stomach up as much? And surprisingly, I think it was like a really high malt, like bourbon whiskey is supposed to be pretty good for your stomach. Okay. Well, if we, if so, we want to go that direction, I was, I was, I was trying to avoid that for, for your sake. Cause you, you know, you're not taking, you're not intaking sugars and all that stuff and you got pretty serious health stuff. But if you're open to that, Hey, we can get a, a nice bottle of whiskey and that'll be, that'll be it. That'll be our, our cherry on top. Let me, let me think about okay. that. that. That's one, that's one that I, I, I want to. I want to consider. So that's why that's why I say it's got to bring balance to like yes we're having fun we haven't hung out in a long time we're we're the the, the trek the voyage the journey is also rewarding in itself but there's got to be something that, that that gives it that that degenerate element to what we're doing you know what I mean like hey we get a bottle of whiskey and get fucked up on it great that's perfect that, that's that's you know I, I wanted something that could kind of add that degenerate element to that to that uh, trip. Got it. Okay, I will. I will think on that. Cool. And and just just <laughs> as we strive for balance uh, in all things, we we have to find something that has a degenerate element and is also not too weird and fucked up. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not going to go fucking penny raid uh, college coeds in like Northern Arizona University or something like that. We're gonna we're gonna do something legal. Degenerates <laughs> <laughs> de- de- Clubhouse episode forty two. Armando gets a job and then immediately loses the job. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Episode forty-four: Armando and Aaron's arrest record. Yeah, those will be, those will be good uh, episodes. You never know; they might put us, they might push us over the top. Fuck you, Rogan. We're coming for you. Hey, hey Mondo. Speaking of made-up stories about <laughs> our life, is, is there a new yes. Netflix show that that is out there that you've seen? New on Netflix, where we discuss a, I, I, I give Aaron a fictional. Uh, title of a Netflix show, and he goes off on his uh, creative juices and, and and describes what this series is about. Wow, you made that sound extra creepy. Go on. You say, hey, Aaron. <laughs> hey, Mondo. <laughs> have you seen Have you seen the new show on Netflix, Nudist Comedians Gone Wild? I did, <laughs> and the the problem with with the show and cuz this actually was in the tabloids a lot because they had a lot of problems getting the show off the air uh because none of the female comedians wanted to do it at first except for Amy Schumer <laughs> and they were trying to build the whole show around Amy Schumer and they shot a pilot the re- the reactions from the male audience which was basically the whole audience that would watch this show were not very good apparently uh, 60 minutes of seeing Amy Schumer naked wasn't going to be commercially viable. No. And I'm not trying to body shame Amy Schumer. She, I think she's married and she might be have a kid. Like, good for her. I enjoyed her movie Trainwreck as a, a member of that test audience. I, I did not want to see her going wild naked. It just didn't, didn't do it for me. So then they tried to revamp it. They're like, we're going to have just... The male comedians. It's just going to be a guy's thing only. Um, and Burt Kreischer was like, dude, like sign me. I, he, if you've never seen Burt Kreischer, he does like, I'm halfway there. Uh, all of his stand-up. Yeah. He's like, this isn't even that much different from me. I mean, so he he was on board right away. You know, there were, there were several other comedians where once they were promised uh, enough like marijuana 
and DMT and blow. Like they were like Joe Rogan, we're gonna just give you DMT this whole time. And Joe Rogan's a little bit he, he's he's a little bit sensitive about the size of his, his penis. Apparently, that was what I gar- uh, I gathered <laughs> from the, the the episode. But when they told him that he was just gonna be on DMT the whole time, he's like, okay, I'm doing it. If I can if I can bow hunt on DMT naked, sign me up. I'm being camo. I'm gonna rub. I'm gonna red. Dirt and deer blood all over my junk, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot wild animals. And the problem with that was he was really high, and he thought that Bert Kreischer was a warthog, <laughs> and he shot Bert Kreischer in the ass with with a uh, compound bow. And he was like describing like, yeah, see the velocity of the compound bow that's gonna pierce right through the the hide, no matter how thick it was. It was just Bert Kreischer's ass. It was really bad. They had to take him to the hospital, so they they scrapped that. And then the the real trick was when they were finally able to set it up more um, sort of as like a naked and afraid. Have you ever seen that show, Naked yeah, and Afraid? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting show. I love it. Do, can you can you describe the sort of premise? It's essentially like Survivor, Survivor Wilderness, but they're all butt naked. They just drop. They usually drop off a male and female, sometimes multiple couples, and they're like, "Hey, survive!" You get to take one item with you, and you're like, "Hey, survive for like a week or whatever." Well, yeah, and, and to be to be clear, it's not not like Survivor the show. They're not doing like weird little games and things like that. It's it's they're dropping two people. N- and they're sort of naked. They usually manage to fashion clothing for themselves, but in a really hostile environment. And they actually have to, the survival element isn't getting voted off the island. It's like, how do we get shelter? How do we not get eaten by these giant red killer ants? That sort of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Sunblock, sunscreen, all that shit. Water to drink. Exactly. And that was sort of the, the format they, they were able to latch onto. And so instead, but instead of, People who were like really trained survivalists going into a harsh area of like the Amazon rainforest and contending with snakes and everything like that through years and years of camping and certain outdoors experience, they just got comedians. So the the pairings that they did, um, they were able to get one one man and one woman on each team, and the the teams had to survive in the same area. It was the first team to to either. Uh, get get killed by the native wildlife or the first team. Then they, then they would come just just emaciated, like hungry. They're dirty. They smell bad. And then they would just roast each other. It was the first team to either get upset at, at one of the roast jokes or get killed by uh, by like an indigenous snake or something. Then then the other team would win, which which was interesting. I mean, so the so the the, the pairings of the comedians on on the one side. Uh, they, they'd really, they'd really tried to get a, like a, a famous like black comedian. Like they wanted, like they wanted Dave Chappelle or someone like that. Right. Because they're like, yeah, it's going to pull in the black audience. And the black comedians were like, are you fucking kidding? Like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? This is white people shit. Leave us out of that. Just, to, I just want all, all you guys to know. I mean, yes, this, this was a, a, a very, uh, a very white cast, but it was not for lack of trying. It's just because like the minorities were way smarter to actually participate <laughs> in this. They they needed they needed some, some like really uh, desperate white people to make this show happen. When you talk about uh, desperate white comedians, like the 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 one team was the female lead was Nikki Glazer. If you're familiar with her, um, she had gotten a little bit of a pop because she was on. Dancing with the Stars, and apparently did not know how to dance, and got voted off after the first episode. But her whole thing is like, 
look, I'm like a funny hot girl sort of, and I'm going to talk about my pussy. And she was like, oh, I get to be on a show where I'm naked the whole time. I can just make nonstop jokes about my pussy. And this is going to open up like new, you know, obstacles. I could talk about like a, a beetle crawling up my pussy <laughs> in the middle of the night as I sleep. Like this is going to be a whole new realm of sick sort of shock value pussy jokes that no one wants to listen to that I can attack now. So like she was in, that was an easy sell just to kind of complete the odd couple pairing. They got Jim Norton. Oh yeah. I love Jim Norton. To, to be her, her partner. Jim Norton is easy, right? He's like, okay, she's kind of hot. I'm going to get to like be around her in an awkward situation. I'm in like, that was it. I mean, J- Jim Norton will do anything. He, he did an uh, UFC podcast with Matt Sarah. Uh, this was an easy leap for him. Um, J- Jim Norton, if there was going to be a a, a a flag bearer of, of the g- degenerate flag in the comedian community, it would probably be Jim Norton. So he, he was just down. The other female comedian, and this really, really took a lot of talking to. Nick Lee Glazer, easy sell. The, the other one was Whitney Cummings. Um, she she did not want to do this. She She's, uh, she's, she's very intelligent I th- and... Her, her joke writing is a little bit more processed, and um, she kind of does have a little bit of a feminine slant. I, 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 her jokes aren't the funniest to me, but you can tell she really does work at the craft. Like, she's trying to, um, you know, construct that. And she's, she's built a very, very strong career for herself. She's done, some, you, know, you know, TV. She's very successful. And they finally managed to sell her on a feminist angle of – you know, Whitney, this is this is your opportunity to both show that women can be funny, funnier than men. Like you're gonna you're gonna have the best roast jokes. Like, come on, it's like Jim Norton roast jokes on Jim Norton, fish in a barrel. You can destroy her and strike a blow for the feminist movement on a humor front. And two, you can show that women can take care of themselves no matter what. Whitney Cummings was like, well, uh, I have this new sitcom you know, that's, that just got greenlit. Like, I don't really have time for this. And they're like, no, no, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to cram this show in fast before your sitcom starts. And she's like, okay, I'm in. So they got Whitney Cummings. That was a big get very hard. She didn't want to do it. And then the, 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 the male counterpart for, for, uh, Whitney Cummings, her partner is actually, and this, this is, this is, this is sort of my pick to win it all. My, my, my sleeper pick to win the show was Doug Stanhope. Ah, Are you familiar yeah, with Doug? Doug Stanhope, former uh, co-host of the man show part two with Joe Rogan. Correct. And, but see the thing about Doug Stanhope was Doug Stanhope very early on was like, fuck all this LA noise, like screw trying to make my whole life revolve around mainstream co- uh, comedy in Los Angeles. And like, he just lives in a fucking house out in the middle of des- the desert and does a bunch of drugs and has like a weird, uh, codependent relationship with uh, like a crazy woman. And I'm, this is, I'm very, very quickly boiling down Doug Stanhope's life. But I sort of look at that. I'm like, one, he's funny. I think, I think Doug Stanhope is, is very funny even still. Uh, he's just not out in the mainstream a lot now because he doesn't give a fuck. So I think he's underrated from a comedy perspective. And two, like he's already surviving just naturally in, in a sort of uh, toxic, wild environment just in his everyday life in his house. So I'm like, if anyone is prepared for a naked and afraid comedians style show, it's Doug Stanhope. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Joe Rogan, you go out bow hunting with like 
800 pounds of like gear and tents and camo and a fancy compound bow. Yo, Doug Stanhope is just living the wild, wild days every day of his life in his natural habitat. He's been training for this unintentionally for years now. So that's that's the show. It's going to be uh, it's going to be Nikki Glazer making more and more strange pussy jokes and Jim Norton. Um, just being a ge- degenerate around her, which is like a really great combo for both of them. And then it's going to be uh, Whitney Cummings trying to strike a blow for the feminist movement and Doug Sanhope not giving a fuck about anything, just ripping on everyone. And I usually don't watch reality shows, but this one, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm excited for, uh, what was the name of this again? Uh, Nudist Comedians Gone Wild. Nudist comedians gone wild. You know, maybe they, they need to workshop that title a little bit more, yeah. but I think we've got comedy gold in the making, folks. Hey, I got to tell you, Aaron, that of all the new on Netflix fictitious shows that you've come up with, I would 157 bajillion percent watch this show. If they could actually make it, I would. I don't care. I don't care if they have hot girl comedians or all male comedians. I don't give two fucks what comedians they have. They could have fucking. Uh, they could have uh, uh, paraplegic comedians. I don't give two shits. I would watch this show 125%. I would for sure. I would pay money. I would sign up on net to Netflix just to watch this show. That being said, real shows on Netflix that we've watched. I've got I've got a list of them. So unless you have one, I can come up with one here on the fly. But do you have a? How, how about you give one and sure. I give one? Sure. Um, again, not really new on Netflix per se. But I started watching this show, The Prodigal Son. Oh, okay. It's airing the second season currently, so I think there are only like four or five season or uh, four or five episodes into season two currently. But I started watching season one, maybe about a week and a half ago, just on a fucking whim. I was like, ah, eh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of bored to see what this show's about. It's kind of got a Dexter vibe to it. But the twist is that, like in Dexter, Dexter's somewhat influenced by his history and his relationship with his fa- father, and Dexter always having this kind of, um, this this compelling, like he's always being compelled to murder. He becomes like kind of a superhero mm-hmm. when he commits when he commits these murders. Um, Prodigal Son, the 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 principal character has a father who's locked up in jail, who's doing prison for, for murdering himself. His father was a, um, like, living a, like living a double life. His father was, like, a surgeon by trade, but, like, committing these murders um, unbeknownst to his family. Um, oh, shit. So his dad gets locked up for a long time, and his son has, like, these kind of impulses that his dad kind of has. Um, but he works for, as a, like, a, as a... Um, a criminal profiler so he gets presented all these like murders and whatnot and his son using the the i guess the impulses or the things that his dad taught him is able to kind of catch these criminals uh really good show the uh the actor that plays the lead is uh i think his name is matthew Payne or tom Payne. tom Payne. um for those of you that watch the walking dead series uh and remember the character jesus um Jesus was the guy with the beanie that had long hair and did like all these karate kicks and what have you. Anyway, Tom Payne is the actor that plays Jesus in The Walking Dead. Good actor. Um, if you're a gal, you'll think he's dreamy. He's got these dreamy green or blue or colored eyes. Uh, Revision, if you're a girl or Armando, no. you'll think he's yeah, dreamy. Sure, sure. Why not? 
Um, you'll, you'll go into long descriptions about what his eyes look like. Nice eyes, motherfucker. They stand out. <laughs> I wish I had those eyes, <laughs> goddammit. Anyway, Tom Payne is... Oh, oh okay. So, so we just learned that they're... Armando might be either like one sixteenth a little bit gay for this guy, or he's a serial I'm killer. For, I'm, with the, the 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 quote, "I want his eyes." <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? Probably a little bit of both. I might be like a part part little little, little gay little serial killer. Okay. Um, his father, the actor that plays him, I believe his name is Michael Sheen. I could be wrong. I don't remember. I'm kind of going off of memory. But dude. Both the father and the son duo, like they're both amazingly good actors. There are other um, actors in there that do phenomenal jobs. Actually, Lou Diamond Phillips is like probably like the biggest name actor on that uh, cast of actors. Oh shit! Um, it's got the first the first season is about twenty episodes long. Uh, I don't remember how long each episode is, but it's it's a pretty good. It's got like a recurring kind of subplot. Throughout the uh, subplot, uh, subcontext, throughout the first twenty episodes or so, on, so on and so forth. Oh, another reason to watch it if you're a guy and like women. Halston Sage plays this the sister, um, <clears throat> Tom Payne's sister. Fucking beautiful girl, beautiful girl. Um, and uh, yeah, watch the show. It's good. It's it's intriguing. It's compelling. Uh, I like it. I fell in love with it. Uh, I've been watching season two. Can't wait for the next episode. Okay. So if you're a little bit gay or you like <laughs> hot girls and murder, this is the show yeah. for you. You know what? When I, when I was just thinking about it, there, there's actually two shows I could recommend, and I'll save one for another time. So you tell me, do you think it would be better to have a recommendation for sort of a like a mystery thriller or sort of a... a a little bit futuristic, uh, not not post-apocalyptic, but like... Let's go um, with the futuristic one, because it'll be contrasted to the one that I talked about. Got it. Uh, not that much of a contrast. There's there's plenty of murder in this one as well. Uh, th- this is There's, there's a, a Netflix series called Alice in Borderland. It is Japanese, so you... you uh, you can listen with the the uh, dub, or I just you know read the subtitles, uh, the the sub. So let me preface: I, I do not think this is a, a masterpiece or the best show ever. But if you're watching for some, something, or if you're looking for something that's just fun to watch, you're not gonna have to think too hard about it. But it, it's gonna be enjoyable. And when there's some like weird plot points, or you, you just sort of be like, ah, fuck it, and then move on and just be entertained by a show. I think this is a good pick. The gist of it is there there are three friends in um, modern day Japan who are all sort of like ne'er do wells. Like the one just lives at home and fucks around playing games, and the other gets fired from his job as a bartender, so forth and so on. While while they're you know meeting up and basically commiserating about their their mutual failings in life they uh end up getting transported to sort of like a mirror version of i guess it's, is it Tokyo i think it's Tokyo where every everyone's all suddenly gone and they have to participate in a series of games that they're constantly fighting for their survival so everyone in this this alternate Tokyo also has to to participate in these sort of murder games. So the way I would describe the show in a nutshell, it's like the lion, the witch and the wardrobe meets saw. 
So wait, hold on. Let me just to clarify. The, are the three the three principal girl characters? Are they competing? No, no, they're all guys. Oh, they're all guys. Well, I'm sorry. I thought they were all chicks. So all three guy characters are they competing against each other or? So so they're they're trying to comp- to to survive. The 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 object of the game is to survive. Um. So at first, like the first game that they enter into, it's all collaborative, and then eventually they they realize, oh, in some of these games, you're going to be you know, uh, you'll be pitted against an antagonist who might actually just be someone else who's also trying to survive the game. And then uh, in in the worst games, you, they might be pitted against each other. Oh, shit. A- and there there is this sort of this this Alice in, in Wonderland theme where, like, each each of the games has a, a card, like a, a playing card that corresponds to it. So the higher the number, the harder the game. So, like, you know, a, a one or two playing card will be a really easy game and then the suit will dictate what type of game it is so like a club like a four of clubs will be a fairly easy test of strength type of game and the most fucked up games are the hearts games those are those are games that play with your heart and make you maybe turn on somebody else Interesting. Again, it's sort of it's it's like a Japanese pulp fiction. I think it was it was originally based on a, a Japanese uh, comic because I, I had no idea. But there's uh, a term called isekai, and that describes this this genre in, in Japanese fiction. And I guess it's really really popular. It's just a uh, a type of fiction where you're transported to an alternate reality uh, or like another world or whatever. And and a lot of them. Are they're just sort of teenage boy power, you know, fantasies where the the protagonist gets transported to another world and they get some sort of you know great power where they're the one that's going to save this other world from whatever's going on. Those ones to me are kind of stupid. This one they don't have any special abilities other than just who they were as people, and now they have to navigate the these games that are trying to kill them and they've got to fight for their survival. And so there's a little bit of a mystery of like, what the fuck this is? Like, where are they? Like what, who, who's running these games? What's, what's happening. And then there's a, also a lot of, um, this, this also really feels Japanese comic booky where they're trying to figure out how to beat these games. And sometimes there, there are some, uh, giant leaps in logic. I'm not going to give any of them away, but like, I, a lot of times the, the Japanese pr- protagonists would be like, wait, I walked into the room and I could tell there should have been only 7,544,000 uh, grams of air in the room, but I felt a slight breeze, meaning there were 8,444,000 grams of air in the room, That and so there had to be a hidden door somewhere. <laughs> like it's, it's something like that yeah, dumb yeah. and over the top. It, none of them are quite this bad, but it, to, honestly, some of, uh, some of the, the, the reveals were, were like that, where... To me, I was just like, ah, this is fun and a little bit silly. How many? Um, how many? I, I'm cool to just roll. How with many this. seasons and or episodes are currently available? I mean, is it still running or is it like an older show? It's it's a new show. It's new on Netflix. One season, eight episodes, and uh, I you know I think it's probably going to be a function of how popular it is uh, to whether or not a second gotcha. season um, comes into play. But it, but this was this was not a resolved season. Like they clearly. Wrote the first season, wanting to make another good, one. Good, sounds interesting. I think I'm gonna watch this one. I know I was recommending some other shows. I, I don't want to get into them, um, but like they get pushed down to priority every time I hear a good a good show like this. So so, so just to be clear, on a one to ten scale, I maybe give it a five or six out of ten. But I had fun watching it. It was one of those shows where it was like, dude, this was this was fun. I'm not gonna 
as long as you don't take it too seriously and you just have fun with it, it's enjoyable. Yeah, I like if I were to compare Prodigal Son to Dexter, let's say we give Dexter like an eight as a show or nine maybe. Um, I think Prodigal Son's like a seven. So it's not it's not as good as Dexter, but it's the same. It's got like a lot of fun to it. It's got a lot of comedy to it. Um, the characters are all the characters. Dexter was hilarious. Yeah, Dexter had Dexter had a lot of a uh, lot of kind of. Oh, did it actually? I was kidding. No, I, Dexter, I, I Dexter did have. I think I watched the first season of Dexter, and that was it. I, I don't. I remember it being very uh, kind of gritty, and, and Dexter being very dry and serious. Yeah, and but there was certain dark humor elements in Dexter. Obviously, it's about murder. Okay. Um, Prodigal Son a little bit more on the humor than Dexter, so it's not as dark. Um, which makes it a little more fun in that in that sense, but I think as far as like some of the some of the plot stuff, it's kind of like okay, that's kind of you're stretching it here a little bit, but I still enjoyed it. I'm still watching it. Um, I'm gonna continue to watch it, um, but now I'm gonna have to give Alice in Borderland a, a, a crack. I would, you know, um, for for anybody uh, thinking about watching Alice in Borderland. I think it is a great, great show to watch uh, when you're working out. I mean, I don't know if, if people are going to the gym right now. It's probably a bad idea. Yeah. I would recommend not doing that. But, like, even for me, like, I've got an Airdyne bike in my basement, which is super, super noisy. So even when I've got headphones on, sometimes it can be a little bit hard to, to hear what's going on in a show. But no problem in Alice in Borderland because I'm just reading the subtitles and uh, – like I said, you you can still enjoy it and not pay that close attention to it. Uh, there's not there's no one part where I'm like tired. I'm trying to get a drink of water. I'm like, oh no, I missed this detail. Like fuck it, I I lost the whole plot. Like it, it's just a fun kind of pulp show to watch. Got it, got it, got it. <clears throat> but on on you know what? On that note, Armando, um, talking about exercising and working out and all that stuff, uh, I, I literally got to run. Because uh, my, my left leg is still only about 40% operational, but I'm at the point where if I'm actually, if, we're, if our goal is to not only finish a half marathon, but actually run it, I'm just going to have to drag myself through the next couple weeks. So I'm going to hop off. I'm going to do some pre-running yoga and then go out and see if I can do maybe a six or seven miler today. Good. It's going to be rough. It's going to be very slow. Good for you, man. It's, it's, uh, today's my day off. I'll do mine tomorrow. Uh, you're gonna have to send me your yoga thing so I could not feel pain or less pain. But uh, we'll talk more off air. I hope you guys enjoyed episode 29. Um, can, can I can I end it with a with a quote? So just just as you're you're wrapping up, just I want to I do want to end with a quote. Yeah, I, let me wrap up my stuff and then you can do your. Yeah, so, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, this weekend there's some UFC fights. Uh, nothing too spectacular. I think it's uh, over him against Volkanovski or Volkovsky. I forget his last name, but. There's a couple fights there here and there, hidden gems. Have fun watching it. But I would say most importantly, it's Super Bowl Sunday weekend. Um, Kansas City Chiefs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I really don't want the Chiefs to win because they're a division rival. So I'm going to have to, unfortunately, root for Tom Brady this week. I I hate to say it. I've always not liked the Patriots or Tom Brady. But, uh, hey, it is what it is. I'll be at my friend's house enjoying hot tub and drinks and – I uh, hope you guys enjoy your weekend, and that's all I have to say back to you, Aaron. Yeah, I'm about to go do this run. It's going to be rough. I'm going to have to. I'm going to be going way slower uh, than I want to, but I, I'm going to think about this Martin Luther King Jr. quote as inspiration, and the quote is, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. 
and no matter how slow you're going, just take solace in the fact that you're still going to be going faster than Armando when he runs. Martin Luther King you Jr. You cocksucker. <laughs> All right. Have a good... Hope you enjoyed the episode, guys. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Hey everyone, Mondo here. I just want to take the time to say on behalf of myself and Aaron that we appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to our podcast. We know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to choose from, but you took some time out of your day to listen to us ramble on. Please share our podcast, like and subscribe, follow us on all our social media platforms and all that jazz. Whether you love us, hate us, agree with our opinions or disagree, we still love you.